Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Samuel, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. As we go to prayer this morning, I'm happy to report we saw another percentage point drop in our people who were no work, no pay. We now have 54% of our people back at work in their offices. We are at 33% still work from home. We're down to 12% no work, no pay. And we're at 1% who have been laid off. So we want to pray for those who have been laid off and those who have not yet been called back to work. And I want us to pray for all of the small businesses in the church. A lot of the traditional businesses, now food is doing really well, but like dormitories, rental properties, a lot of things that our seniors have done to have retirement income as they grow older, they're no longer working every day, they have their passive income coming in. A lot of these folks are hurting. And the other thing is transportation. Uh, it's hard to get, and even the tricycles and the grabs and the prices have all gone up rather drastically. So let's pray. Father, as the city begins to come back to work coming out of this COVID-19, there's so many new problems, such a collage of them, Lord, that we don't even begin to comprehend them all. But life has been affected to the core all across our city. And we come to you, Lord, because you know all things. You are sovereign God. You are omnipotent and you are omniscient. And we come and we thank you that whatever our need is, you provide. Whatever our problem is, you grant wisdom to. We come to you today, Father. I pray for these that are still not yet back at work. Lord, in Jesus' name, give them jobs, good paying jobs. And Father, rather than just waiting around for the call to go back, let them begin to look around and find new opportunities that you provided for them. Opportunities with higher salaries, opportunities with a greater future. Father, for those that have been laid off, we pray the same thing, new opportunities. Father, for those that are still waiting for their test results, their COVID test results to go back to work, we thank you for all negatives, Lord. This thing shall not come near our dwelling place. This thing shall not enter within our bodies in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for all of those trying to get to work, even this morning. Father, with the prices of transportation going up, with it getting more and more difficult to find, Lord, we ask that you provide a way. And Lord, as secondhand cars begin to come available because people can't pay the debts. Lord, let the wealth of the wicked be transferred to the righteous. We ask you for half-price cars, half-price motorcycles in the name of Jesus. Half-price, Lord, wonderful opportunities, great deals for good transportation. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for all of our families that have set up dormitories, that have set up rental properties for passive income, especially as they grow older, or they can't go out and start again. I ask that you bring them good tenants, good boarders, Lord, good renters, Lord, that will pay their debts on time without having to be yelled at, without having to have all kinds of problems and follow-ups. Lord, we ask with the school term and everything else, there's got to be new creative ways of using our dormitory spaces. Teach them, Father. You gave them the stewardship of these assets. Teach them what to do with these things, Father. Lord, we can't do things that you don't teach us what to do. We come and humbly ask for wisdom, because you promise that if any man lacks wisdom, he can ask of God, and you'll give it to us liberally without reproach. Father, in Jesus' name, let that wisdom flow to our people. Lord, you said that you would honor the tither. 
and that, Lord, others would look upon them and see their blessings and just stand in amazement and, and speak of why they were so blessed. Father, honor the tithers, Lord. Let their relatives and let their friends and let their enemies see your hand of blessing upon their lives. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
while we're waiting to move into modified general quarantine, in which they say we're going to be able to reopen the church, 50% attendance, and we're very excited about getting all of our campuses ready for that, very busy. Um, we're st still doing our drive-in services. The, the mayor allowed us to do that as we started uh, into, into the new stage of quarantine last weekend. So here we go again, going into this weekend. Sunday morning, 7.30 is full. Saturday morning, 7.30 is almost full. So if you there's still a few slots left if you want to come on Saturday at 7.30. And on Sunday, we've opened another service, 9.30. All right, now that'll mean the 7.30 people because as soon as we finish, we'll be asking you to go. The 9.30 service will come in. I'll run, change clothes because I'll be soaking wet. Uh, and so will a lot of the guys be soaking wet. Unless we have a nice cloudy day, that would be absolutely wonderful. It's not quite like being in the auditorium together, but it's pretty good, okay? I mean, people were being touched by the Holy Spirit in their cars, and people were being filled by the Holy Spirit in their cars. I've heard some of the most beautiful testimonies as the family worshiped together. Now, you need to come early because we start right on time. You need to make sure that you know how to tune your FM radio because we don't turn on the big giant speakers, all right? We have them on a little bit for the ushers so that they can hear what we're doing. But for the most part, it's all a little FM transmitter that we have. It covers our whole parking lot very, very well. And uh, you tune in the FM station and we have the service for you right there. And you honk to say praise the Lord and you honk to say hallelujah and you honk to say amen. So we'll see you Sunday morning. So call in to your district pastor or to your campus pastor to reserve a slot because we only have about 200 slots per service for cars, all right? So please, this and this is something... You need to understand, this is something that we'll probably be doing on Saturday morning for, for a while now. Uh, I don't mind the extra work because it'll be for our seniors and for those who need us most, those with pre-existing conditions and things. So Saturday morning, I'll be doing this for a while. Uh, that way the seniors will feel comfortable and the, those with pre-existing conditions will feel comfortable. And you know what? These people have walked with us for 40 years, some, many of them, and lots of them 30 years. We're going to make sure that we're there for them. And we, if we have to have a special service, preach it open air with them sitting in their cars, we'll be happy to do it. You say, Pastor, what happens if it's raining? I will preach in the rain. That's not a problem for me. All right. We just need to make sure we take care of our seniors and take care of those who are a little concerned about being in the crowd yet. All right. We've got Psalms 91 by one of the Dakanai children this morning. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. 
Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. Ah, I love it. In just a moment, we're going to have a testimony. But I want to remind you, these testimonies are just the tip of the iceberg. These are things that people have just sat down in their home and sent us. They taped it on their cell phone. So, you know, just like all of us, we're just making do with what we have right now. But we're just so excited. And if you have a testimony of how God has provided for your family during this time, please share it. You don't know how that will encourage somebody else's heart. You don't know how that will give somebody else an idea that will put food on the table for their family. Our testimonies are very, very important, not just to, to thank God for things, but to inspire and encourage the hearts of our brothers and sisters. So let's go, Brother John, to our testimony. I'm Brother Elrey. And we are the Yabut family from South Campus. This year, 2020, wala nag-imagine na ganito mangyayari. Hindi namin alam kung anong gagawin nung nag-start yung pandemic or lockdown. So, we became worried about this COVID-19. But, uh, and we don't know where to start. But, we always pray that God will be the one who will shield us against this yes. pandemic. And, we always believe na nandiyan si God para i-guide kami kung ano yung dapat gawin. And yung lagi namin pinanghahawakan is sa lahat ng problema, uh, mas bigger pa rin si God. Amen. Doon. We are on motorcycle business and sabi ng government na mag-close lahat ng non-essential immediately after kilos namin yung tatlong shop. Uh, so pag-close ng shop na yun, uh, medyo mabigat yun for us. But we always believe na yung favor ni God is laging nandun sa mga anak niya. Uh, sa business namin, meron kaming maliit na online page tungkol din sa business namin. Uh, we receive more orders daily yes. during nung lockdown. And sinisend namin yung orders through courier apps. So rider na lang yung nagpipick up sa mga shop. So araw-araw naging pakay kami ng halos napakaraming items. So blessed pa rin kami na Tuloy-tuloy yung mga order ng customer. So, lahat ng finances, rentals, utilities, walang problema. Kaya i-cope up lahat. So, yes. praise, praise God. Praise God for Psalms 512. It, always, it says that, For surely, O Lord, you will bless the righteous, and you will summon them with favor as with a shield. Now, that's what I would call a COVID-proof business. Because these motorcycle drivers doing deliveries, my goodness, the Lala moves and all of this. These guys are running morning till night. It's even hard to get them sometimes. So motorcycle parts in this kind, I would call that a COVID-proof business. God is good. I want us to open our Bibles today to Acts chapter 7. I want you to remember with me what has gone on. Uh, we've seen the selection of the first deacons. In fact, they are called the seven and these seven remained famous for the rest of their lives, according to Acts 21, verse 8. They were, people were part of the seven. Stephen has been seized because he's been seeing miracles happen. He's not. He's a deacon that also ministers. And so you, you can't separate between the deacons do the business of the carnal things of the church and the pastors do the, the ministry of the spiritual things of the church. There's an overlap in both directions. 
Stefan is out doing miracles. He's arrested. People start lies about him. It's a mess. He's brought before the council, it says in verse 12 and verse 13. Verse 7, and the high, or chapter 7, verse 1, and the high priest said, so he's standing there in the stone chamber where Jesus was put on trial and convicted to death. He's standing right where Jesus stood. Can you imagine how he felt? I'm standing where Jesus stood. This is where they convicted him and sentenced him to death because the, the person on trial would stand in the same place. I can only imagine the thoughts going through his mind. I'm standing right where Jesus stood when they tried him. Maybe some of these drops of blood here on the floor are drops of his blood. I can only imagine the thoughts. The high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, now notice, he does not respond with the defense of himself. He does not respond with liar, liar, pants on fire. He responds with the gospel. Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. So even before he lived in Haran, God was speaking to Abraham and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out of the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it. He had no permanence in this place, nothing to leave to his children. In it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others. Notice, Egypt never belonged to Israel, belonging to others. You must understand that nations belong to a group of people who, to whom God has given it. Egypt did not belong to the Israelites. They may have enjoyed using the land, but it did not belong to them. There is ownership of land by people groups belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge that nation that they served, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. Which place? This place, Jerusalem. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. Now notice, jealousy is one of the most destructive emotions that there is. Jealousy is not a neutral emotion. This is why you can never allow jealousy to stay in your heart. Whether it's jealousy of a girl, jealousy of whatever. I mean, jealousy of wealth, jealousy of a promotion, jealousy of a position. You should only rejoice with people that God blesses, okay? Only rejoice with them. Because jealousy will always make you attack the person. Did you hear that? Jealousy will always make you attack the person. Jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions. I like that. God will rescue you out of all your afflictions. And gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over his household. Now there came a famine, now notice, and over all his household. 
sometimes you forget that the training for his destiny was as a slave in Potiphar's household. He was master over all of Potiphar's household. His training for his destiny came in his servanthood. Wow, get a hold of that one. The training for his destiny was in his servanthood over all his household. Now there was a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. And when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob and his father and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they carried him back to Shechem and laid him in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor of Shechem. Now notice, at this point, everybody shout amen. I mean, at this point, he is reciting the oral history of the people of Israel perfectly. And every person in that room would love everything he's saying. Sometimes when you want to get some truth into people, you get them agreeing with you, and then you put in the truth. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph, all right? How can you recognize when it's time for a promise to be fulfilled in your life? Here's a great truth. How can you recognize when it's time for a promise to be fulfilled in your life? When your capability increases. When your capability to do something is increasing, the time for the promise is at hand. He dealt shrewdly with our race. Now notice that. Shrewdly with our race. Pharaoh, this new Pharaoh, was not a kind man to the Jewish people. The bigotry, the prejudice was awful. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they could not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. <laughs> a baby was beautiful in God's sight. I just, sometimes you just got to sit back and meditate on those verses because, you know, why was that just slipped in there? Why was it just slipped in there that this baby Moses was beautiful in God's sight? There's something there that we need to learn one day. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So she is raised as the grandson of Pharaoh at Pharaoh's feet. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and his deeds. So Moses was highly educated in Egypt. He was raised as Pharaoh's grandson, extremely educated, very wise, and great in accomplishment. He was a man of great accomplishment already, mighty in deeds, and mighty in his words. Here was a man who was an accomplished speaker. Now that's important because remember later on, after 40 years on the backside of a mountain taking care of sheep, Moses says, I can't speak. Abilities had been lost because of unuse. Abilities were lost because they were not used. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers. Now there are things that sometimes just come into our hearts. To visit his brothers, the children of Israel. 
because he was always raised separate from them. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Now, Moses knew the calling on his life, and he supposed that his fellow countrymen did also. Never suppose that people understand. Please forgive me. Never suppose, never just think that people understand. Never live in the la-la land of supposition. Never live in the la-la land of, I would have thought they understood. That, that's la-la land. That's Looney Tune land. Never, never suppose that people understand. Never. It's, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's nothing but a world of pain, okay? It's nothing but a world of pain. And make sure you explain things to people. Never think that they understand. Explain. And the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his brother thrust him aside, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? I went a little bit farther because I wanted to finish that part. Again, brothers and sisters, great takeaway truth today. Never think that people understand, because they don't. Explain it to them. All right, let's have some, another little time of worship. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. When confusion's my companion And despair holds me for ransom I will fear no fear I know that you are near When I'm caught deep in the valley with chaos for my company, I find my comfort here. I know that you are me. Sickness, my brokenness all on 
About six of those young people that you just saw lead us in worship are frontliners. I know they look young, but they're doctors. They're young geniuses. They're doctors. And right now, we're going back to work. Life is beginning to return to normal. For those young people, they're still seeing things that are not, they're not the kind of things that you want to see every day of your life. I'll just put that sweetly. Father, we lift to you all of our frontliners again. They have carried such a load during this time, Father, with no rest, separated from their families, working 36-hour shifts. Father, I ask first, strengthen them in their physical bodies. Let their immune systems just be on overload, Lord, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, let the life of God flow within them. Lord, you heal us by quickening us with the Holy Spirit. Let their immune systems be quickened by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit just put life into every cell of their body that death cannot come near it and that death cannot touch it. I thank you, Father. Keep them strong. And Father, they've seen things and they've seen so much death and they've seen so much pain and suffering. These things hurt the soul. Father, I ask that you bring healing to their souls. I ask that you restore their souls, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I was in high school, one of the jobs I worked, I got off school at 2.30 every day, and one of the jobs I worked was the 3 to 11 shift at a little hospital called Thomas Hospital, about 120 beds, just a small country hospital. And when you're an orderly in a hospital like that in the evening shift, well, you see a lot of interesting things because you work OR, you work emergency room, you work intensive care. I mean, you it's just a little place, so you're a jack of all trades. I'll never forget watching the first man die. It, it, for weeks, it messed up my brain. He died of sclerosis of the liver. 
He was a guy who was a drinker, drank alcohol, and he died laying on his back. He suffocated on his own vomit. And I had to come in after he had died and clean up the mess. Made me think real hard about a lot of things in my life after that. These young people are affected by what they see. Those of you who have families and your children are working on the front lines, you not only pray for them to be safe, you pray for a restoration of their soul in Jesus' name. All right, let's pick up with 1 Kings chapter 22 today. We're actually going to finish the book of 1 Kings today. Chapter 22, verse 1. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. Hallelujah. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. They were visiting now. They were being friendly. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and don't take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. Now they've already defeated the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people are as your people. My horses are as your horses. So, hey, we're friends. My casa, mi casa. Okay. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first. So Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, from Jerusalem, he said, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Let's ask God if we should be doing that. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. Now remember, this is a total false religion. False prophets, false priests, false temples, false everything. Remember, this is part of the ten tribes. So he gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there none here, not here, another prophet of the Lord, of whom we may inquire? Now, did you hear this? Jehoshaphat recognized these were all false prophets. Jehoshaphat recognized these are men we should not be listening to. Now, brothers and sisters, straight talk. If you're going to make good decisions in life, you better figure out who, should, who you should listen to or who you should not listen to, who should influence you and who should not influence you. So you had 400 guys parading around prophesying but Jehoshaphat knew, I shouldn't listen to these people. So he says, is there not here another prophet of the Lord? He said, hey, the prophets have a lot of nonsense, but is there not a prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? There is a big difference, brothers and sisters. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Micah son of Imla, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. <laughs> well, you know what? It's amazing how many people hate real preachers, preachers of truth. It's amazing how many people hate them, because a real man of God won't tell you what you want to hear. A real man of God will tell you the truth. But I hate him. For he prophesied, never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. He said, hey, king, don't, don't talk like that. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, bring quickly Micah, the son of Imlah. 
and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. <laughs> all these all these false guys, they're just parading before them. And Zedekiah, son of Chaniah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets were with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Now, there, there's a real man of God. I, I'm not going to just go along to get along. I will only declare the word of the Lord. Now, now, sometimes we have to teach young pastors this, because they think that, you know, that we should be teaching all kinds of things. If we can't say it from the word, we should not be saying it. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle? Or shall we refrain? And he answered him, huh, Go and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you will speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he looked at him and said, Okay, you want truth? Here's truth. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab that he may go up and fall to Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? He said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. And he said to them, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets, and the Lord has declared disaster for you. Now you look at that passage, and yes, there's a lot of it that I don't understand. But I want you to just Here's the beginning of something to study, all right? This is, this is one of those things in my Bible that I have. Study this thought, okay? Uh, the de Number one, the demons were not yet cast out of heaven, okay? The demons have not yet been cast out of heaven. So demons are moving around heaven also. Also, I want you to notice that we have this idea in our mind that demon spirits do not obey God, only angels obey God. But that's not true. God is still sovereign God. They have rebelled against him, yes, but demon spirits can still be dominated by God. He is God. He is sovereign God. To act as if he's not sovereign is wrong. To act as if demons can actually, or that Satan can actually overpower God, forgive me. It, it was all, a, talk about deception. They all lived in deception. Now, now, this is the beginning of a thought here, okay? Uh, we we, we got to stop this dichotomy of kingdoms that somehow demon spirits uh, do not obey God. Well, when Jesus spoke to demons, they obeyed. Did you hear me? 
When Jesus had come out, they came out. When Jesus said, you know, leave this man and jump into the pigs, they did. So, so get over this idea that demons are completely in a separate realm, because here they have not yet been cast out of heaven. And this demon spirit came forward and offered and said, fine, you can do that. Now, the other thing I want you to notice is that false prophets are inspired by lying spirits. When people get into the doctrines of demons, when people begin to get into false doctrines, they have been inspired by a lying spirit. And so don't be surprised if they really believe this thing. And don't be surprised if they know how to lie well and manipulate because they've been inspired by a lying spirit. Verse 24, Then Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, came near and struck Micah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of God go from me and speak to you? <laughs> and Micah said, um, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into the inner chamber and hide yourself. He said, Listen, you false prophet, why don't you go, why don't you go seek God? And the king of Israel said, Seize Micah, take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear, all you peoples. He turned to everybody there listening, said, Hear, all you peoples. Verse 29. So the king of Judah and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I'm sorry, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go in battle, but you will wear your robes. And the, and the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded 32 captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, Surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against the king. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Now, I just want you to stop there for a minute. When you have a friend who wants you to join him as a partner, but bear all the risk, you have you have a problem. Have you ever heard of silent partners? Secret partners? You bear all the risk. We'll put money in. I'm talking to you businessmen now. They want to invest money, but you bear all the risk. That is not a partnership. You bear all the risk. Now, one of the things you have to learn in life is that there are always going to be people who will exploit your friendship. Now, now, please, I know this isn't pleasant to think about in the morning, but we're moving out of quarantine now, and I've taught you sometimes you need to find new friends. If you have friends that want you to bear all the risk, you have to be equal in the sacrifice, but bear all the risk. They'll go out and battle with you, but you bear all the risk. Don't do business with people like that. Anytime in friendship, when it's lopsided in the risk, they're not your friend, all right? You need to find friends that will say, all right, equal investment, equal risk, all right? But a certain man drew back his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. 
Therefore he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day. And the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until at evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. And about sunset a cry went throughout the army, every man to his city and every man to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria, and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. Remember the word of the Lord? Spoken to Ahab's family. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, and the ivory house that he built. Imagine building a house out of ivory. And all the cities that he built. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers, and Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Now let's go back to Judah. Jehoshaphat, this is the southern tribes. This is around Jerusalem. This is Judea and Benjamin. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi. He walked in all the ways of Asa, his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. So here's a man who tried to live right. Now notice, a guy who tried to live right is taken advantage of by a guy who did not live right. You better remember that. Yet the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, of his might that he showed and how he warred, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And from the land he exterminated the remnant of the male cult prostitutes who remained in the days of his father Asa. So again, he went after the elimination of the bisexual male prostitutes, both homosexual and heterosexual male prostitutes, cult prostitutes. They did this as part of their worship. It was a religion. And there was no king in Edom. A deputy was king. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish go to Ophar for gold. He wanted to do like Solomon had done. But they did not go, for the ships were wrecked at Ezion-Geber. Nahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. And Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David his father. And Jehoram his son reigned in his place. Ahaziah the son of Ahab, now we're back to the northern ten tribes. And Ahaziah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the seventeenth year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and the way of his mother. Now, again, you're going to notice how often family culture is followed rather than the word of God. Now, please let me just stop and park on this thought for a minute. I've told you many times I have no belief whatsoever in, in generational curses. Generational blessings, yes, but not generational curses. But the reason it looks like there's a generational curse is because of family culture. We live like we saw our father live. We live like we saw our grandfather live. We treat our wives or our husbands like our mother or our fathers treated their spouses. We treat our children like we were treated as children. We, we find the same entertainment that our fathers and our mothers did. I mean, we, we pass on a culture. Now, one of the things as Christians that we have to learn is not to hate our parents, 
but that when we're born again, we're a new creature in Christ. We don't follow the culture of our family anymore. We follow the culture of our heaven father. We learn a new lifestyle. We learn a new way to treat our husbands, to treat our wives. I mean, you know, forgive me, but I look at my family that I grew up in, and the divorce and the remarriages and the alcoholism and all of the all kinds of stuff. I mean, Sister Bev grew up in a family from hell. I grew up until I was 14 in a family. Sister Bev grew up in a family from heaven. Until I was 14, I grew up in a family from hell. All right, just, ah. Uh. But do you allow how you have been raised or environment to determine your future? Now, some of you, please, I mean, straight talk. You were the child of the number two. You have seen immorality around you all of your life. You know, I hear some of the stories of young people. You grew up in a home where your mother entertained her lover in your house, and you know that was not your daddy. You, you've, you've seen things that kids should never see. But you have to understand, we don't hate our parents. We will always honor them as long as we live. But we're not going to follow in their ways. We're going to follow in the ways of heaven. And each one of us has to make that decision. At some point in our life, we're going to follow in the ways, not of our father and our mother, we're going to follow in the ways of heaven. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and in the way of his mother, and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. Please. Young people, listen to me. Always honor your father and mother. I don't care how evil they look. We always honor our father and mother. But we don't have to live like them. We can choose. Like I know young men, they grew up with a father who was lazy. I mean, ah, the man wouldn't work. And mama had to do all the work and support the family. Well, young men, don't follow that. Always love your daddy. Always honor your daddy. But you decide, no, I'm going to work hard and support my family. Maybe you grew up in a home where your father was always out with another woman. That doesn't mean that you should do it. You can say, that was the way of my father. I will always love my father and honor my father, but I will follow the ways of my heavenly father, and I will be a one-woman man for the rest of my life. Ah, Welcome to being born again. We'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm sorry. We'll see you tonight. Sometimes you get your days and nights mixed up these days, Diva. We'll see you tonight at seven o'clock.